Welcome to a live conversation on Alatra TV Island. On these live broadcasts, we have conversations with people all around the world to ask them what type of world they would like to live in. They offer their ideas and suggestions for living in a creative society. These conversations are being conducted as part of the Creative Society Project, which was created by Alatra IPM, International Public Movement. The goal of the Creative Society Project is to build and sustain a creative society by peaceful means. A creative society is where each person in the world will live happy, feel safe, and have enough resources for living an abundant life. This is also a society that is secure, stable, and where a person is confident in their future and the future of next generations. There is also unity across all nations, races, and religion. By conducting interviews with people from all around the world, um, we are currently implementing the first stage of building such a society, and this is called the informational stage. You can find more information on the project on alatraunites.com. So my name is Bavin, and my co-host today is Eleanor. Um, so Eleanor, could you please um, introduce our lovely guest? Yeah, sure. Hello, dear friends, and it's my absolute pleasure to introduce our esteemed guest for today, Dr. Bob Chaud. Uh, Bob, it's so nice to see you. Thank you for accepting uh, our invitation. And we know that you are a mindset trainer, um, psychologist, and neuroscientist, and you are U.S. Marine vet and ex-police officer. You are martial arts instructor. So, uh, so many occupations in your life. Uh, could you please tell a little bit more about yourself and uh, what drives you in your life? Yes. So, a, a little bit about me. Uh, I think it, it stems from my mother. She really instituted and instilled uh, a sense of, of purpose. Now, it was more of being a protector and a warrior. My father was um, just the opposite. So I had the abuse from my father and everything growing up, and, and I had to deal with a lot through him. And, and my first broken nose was actually from him. My mom wanted me to become a warrior to be able to deal with that uh, because being... Um, Japanese. My 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 mother was here in the states, and she couldn't like leave us to to my father, and she couldn't divorce him because she would have been sent back to to J Japan back in those days, and and me, and then later my siblings would have um, been under his um, control. So so she started teaching me martial arts when I was eighteen months old, teaching me. Um, kendo. Then when I lived in Okinawa from age five to age eight, I studied Okinawan karate, a, a system known as goju. And this is going back to the 1950s. Then I studied with my uncle in Japan, uh, both judo and kendo. He was a master in both. And he was an officer with the Japanese army during World War II. And he also started uh, at age five as well uh, in terms of his former martial arts training. 
And he was, he, in fact, he studied under uh, the founder of Judo, Jakiro Kano. And in my case, I, I really wanted to be that, like, Superman. Uh, back in the 1950s, there was a, a, a series called Adventures of Superman. I wanted to be that. So I tried everything that I could to, to, to be Superman. I put on a, a towel, like a cape, had the S drawn on it. And I found out that I, uh, no matter what I tried, I couldn't fly. And I couldn't lift the table up. I stood up on the table, tried to jump off of that. And I figured, well, maybe I have to go somewhere higher. I wanted to climb up on the roof of the house. My mom stopped me from doing that, from jumping off the roof. <laughs> yeah, so. Yeah, it might be so. <laughs> yeah, so that laid a foundation for later on in terms of whether it's some martial arts and uh, there was Bugs Bunny cartoon that I watched uh, years ago uh, again when I was a kid and Bugs Bunny was super bugs but when he lost his superpower he uh, joined the United States Marine Corps and so I figured maybe that's where my part of my power is at so I, I ended up going into the Marines uh, I was a 17 year old infantry uh, which is grunt, we call them the grunts, uh, 0311. And then I got indoctrinated into Force Recon, so I was with First Force Recon. And if you ever, uh, like in the Navy, they have Navy SEALs, Army has Army Special Forces. In the Marines, we had Force Recon. So I was with First Force Recon, mission-oriented, did that for a lot of years. And then after that, the LAPD, uh, it was really boring. Uh, people think that when they watch TV shows about uh, – Police officers like the LAPD, they think it's like really exciting and the shooting and all this kind of stuff. No, I, there, there was none of that. None of that. I, I, my years on with the LAPD, not once did I pull out my service weapon. Not once. It was more of, of using communication, I think, more than anything else, being able to deal with people. And sometimes I would get into physical altercations but even that was rare. It, I think it was like uh, really understanding humans. And then I used a lot of hypnosis techniques. And, and then towards the end of my LAPD time, I had studied neurolinguistic programming. So that was like 41 years ago. And, and then I left that in 1981, the LAPD, in the fall of 1981. Then went on to my own adventures, whether it was as a bodyguard, teaching women self-defense, running different businesses, but also continuing studies in, in different educations. I have like five bachelors, three masters, two PhDs. So that's continuing through besides uh, being an entrepreneur, which, again, one of the things when, when, when I think about like my life and and especially in the 80s, and I look at my generation, it, the, there was an interesting dichotomy, like when I look at like future generations, whether uh, Gen Xers or millennials and now Gen Zs, I think my generation kind of did a disservice to future generations. And a lot of us older people, we try to blame the younger generations as being really bad. It turns out that the the generation I'm in, we were known as the me generation. We only cared about ourselves, and and we started uh, building on on that. The '80s was 
big scale up in, in acquiring things, bigger homes. So prior to that, the average size home was about 1,200 square feet. And it more than doubled to 2,500 square feet in size. That's because of my generation. So you got more. You got more cars. You got more expensive cars. You got this, this, and this, and this. And, and then we, we try to, like in the 80s, we, uh, my generation also created the self-esteem movement. And it affected the millennials later on. It just was, was uh, horrific when I look back on it and I look at uh, what we've done. And now I look at the world as being regressed in a lot of ways. So I was part of that generation. I am part of that generation, and I have to accept responsibility for my contribution in terms of that. And I really want to be able to shift. And I've been in, in terms of that, whether studying psychology, advancing more in terms of higher level thinking, which I want to teach now, and so forth. So we can be able to move forward and and me with others be able to, to make a difference. And I know that I know I, I can't do it alone. I can offer my my piece to the to the bigger puzzle on how we as humans can come together as a as a family, all of us. And it doesn't matter where we're from to come together as family. And and again, I'm on that journey. I'm still learning and and what I've learned throughout my life as I turned 70 this year, I want to continue that uh, contribution in, in the best way that I can. Thank you both for your answer and uh, thank you for telling um, about yourself. So exciting to listen uh, about your journey. And uh, what touched me is that you mentioned the problem of uh, consumer society we are living at the moment and that we faced um, the result of uh, this uh, me and for me approach to life and uh, at the, right now I would ask our technical support to show us the video about uh, a short video about uh, how the project creative society started would be for everybody to care about other people and not about themselves only. Uh, people should respect each other, and, uh, not dependent with the color, the gender. Uh, we must avoid all this uh, uh, confrontation, you know. The fact that we're all humans is what unites us, so. But I think you start to think of yourself more as a person from the planet. The task of the media is to help society find a common language and communicate. I think friendship and being nice to each other can unite everyone. 
want to live in a society that where the people are very conscious, so they make the conscious decisions. Work for the sake of uh, society, for the sake of love, for the sake of connection. I see that all people want two things: love and it respect. A compassionate society, a society that understands that your needs are you know, validated. What unites us is being in relationship with each other. It's about humanizing the human society. Everybody has to be informed in a, in a proper way. Let's support each other. Let's help each other, no matter what another person may have. In a creative society, human life will be of highest value, and the best human qualities will prevail. That, that, that was excellent. In fact, one of, one of my friends was in that piece, Bindu. Oh, wow. interesting. Yeah. yeah, so she's a friend of mine and and my um, business partner, Dr. Sophie Nabani. Oh. Oh. Hmm. Yeah, so it's so inspiring that around the globe, so many people, they are just trying to uh, build something new, something inspiring, something different. Yes. yes. And something that, sorry. No, which is interesting because when I think about like the shift downward in terms of our society, where we need to to start rising in terms of the way we think, and 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 I go back to uh, to the end of the seventeenth uh, century, where uh, like Sir Isaac Newton, where he came up with a lot of his work and everything like that, and then. John Locke, who was a philosopher and who, who had talked about the, the shift where we need to start thinking at a higher level. And, and instead of all the, the, um, the dogma that, that was happening prior to that. So at that time was born the age of enlightenment, which is interesting because the age of enlightenment ended in a early uh, 19th century and today we actually have regressed particularly here in the united states we have regressed as a society to uh, pre-age enlightenment thinking in fact the forefathers of the united states they were actually born and raised through the age of enlightenment and thomas jefferson when he wrote the declaration of independence he wrote it based on a work of john locke he actually took actual passages then also Thomas Paine, who, who was a philosopher back then. So one of the things I'm, I'm, I, I've been telling people, we need to get back to a higher level of thinking and, and really embrace it, all of us, instead of, I, I noticed that uh, I was reading some of the stuff and watching some of the videos on your site where today we tend to be catering to to the lower level mindsets, we need to be, you know, we need to raise that back up again, and and mm -hmm. bring that sense of enlightenment back into our thinking. And from there, we can step it and raise to a sense of uh, transcendence uh, uh, as a whole. Mm. Yes. So, Bob, you started actually to answer our next question about how do you personally envision creative society society where you and your friends and your family and your close ones are happy and live dignified lives. So what are key elements for you and 
what should be in creative society, in your yeah. opinion? Yeah. So, again, like I said before, when Socrates mentioned know thyself, I think it starts with knowing thyself. I think every single person, they, they really have to understand themselves, their, their biases that, that they, they bring forth and, and really take apart, tear apart uh, what they think that they know about themselves in order to expose the, the truth. Because from there, from there, then you can start working towards finding out what happiness means to you what joy means to you, all these kind of things. I think people have been fed a bill of goods um, and they think that happiness comes from out there, the external form of happiness. But when we focus on what's out there and, and accumulating these things, we get on, onto a, what's, what's known as a, as a hedonistic or hedonic treadmill. So we, in, in human beings, we get used to certain things. So we, 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 we buy this kind of thing, and then we get bored of it, and then we go get the next thing. We get the next thing. We get the next thing. So we start accumulating all these things, and we don't grow. So we have to eliminate that, go back to find out who we are as a person. And the only way we can do is to take off all the layers, go back there, find out what does that happiness mean for me internally? What does it really mean? And only then can we start to uh, move towards true happiness. Yes, there's a foundation we, we need a, a minimum in order to, to live comfortably and everything like that. We need every, every human being needs that. But beyond that, we need to like go inside and try to discover and work to discover, should I say, uh, that internal happiness. What brings each of us happiness? Because it's not going to happen out there at all. It's just not. Yeah, it's interesting what you shared about, you know, like you, the, the, the whole principle or notion of these layers. They're kind of like an accumulation of all things negative. So it could be a fear. It could be a bit of frustration here. It could be um, a feeling of discontentment. It could be just a feeling of lack. So all these little bits, they start to form a layer over time. And then what you're saying is, it's fundamental for someone to discover who they really are. But within who they really are, um, if I can just add a small bit, is they can go through as a daily practice really determining what it is they want underneath those layers. So an example could be if they've got some discontentment or some frustration towards person A, rather than putting so much thought and energy into it, to discover what you're saying, who you really are, which is the bigger bit, they can start smaller by just discovering what it is they want within that relationship. So to, to, to go underneath the layer and get closer to who they are by having that mindset, because you talked about mindset earlier as well. Mm -hmm. So to having the mindset of someone that can shift into a pivotal mode of pivoting towards what it is they want under each of those bits of unnecessary layers. And then as they get removed, they can really shine. Um, and then, and then, then it goes back to what you're saying is then we can all more co collectively collaborate and have more unity and work together because that's what you hinted at before as well. Sure. So, sure. Yeah. Yeah. So when we start digging all that out, I know Carl Jung talks about the shadow and we all, we all have a, a shadow self and the shadow is, is neither negative or positive. It, it, in essence, it's, it's, it's that hidden layer within us that 
we have tamped down. So we end up, for the most part, people have this ego that, that they want to build up the ego and, and show it uh, to others. I did the same thing. Part of my thing was that uh, because I was running an international martial arts organization and a lot of the people, a lot of the instructors under me, uh, and they're all over the world. So in order for me to have a certain look about them, they wanted somebody who, who, who had that like military attitude, the mean attitude and everything like that. So my projection was that that's what, what they saw that that was a mask that I was wearing was maintaining that instead of this, this uh, other part that I kept tamped down that, you know, like really caring. And even though it's been there, you, you know, like when, like me want to be Superman, I really cared to help other people in some form or another. And so that was tamped down. I exposed this, this really tough, uh, Marine veteran, uh, high level martial artist, fighter, all this kind of stuff. And, and the truth is that really wasn't me. Yes, it was a component, but the real me that was in my shadow needed to come out. And the, the projection, we, we, we will project all out. So like when we make a judgment of somebody else, that's our shadow. When we say certain things and we may be, have a mask of a nice person, but in truth is our shadow comes out. So we need to have that exposed as well. And, and, and that's another component. So I had to have that exposed that, uh, saying, yeah, people are saying, yeah, you're really a nice guy. And I said, no, I'm not, I'm, I'm mean and I'm tough. No, you're, you're a nice guy. So I had to allow that part to come out and start listening to people. So. Interesting. Yeah. Thanks for elaborating. Um, so Dr. Cho, um, well, I can say with absolute certainty that you're definitely a jack of all trades. Um, and I mean, I thought I was, but I mean, clearly I've got some catching up to do. You've, you've just got so many pieces to your repertoire. So, so, so we're both. Yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's fascinating. Um, I mean, even when you gave your bio, you'd, uh, you know, you'd only really shared that some of it, there's others, there's other kind of facets or, um, schools or, you know, subject areas that you specialize in as well. So because it, uh, yeah, so because of your, let's say, multifaceted repertoire of skills and trades and stuff, I want to ask you a question about the education system. And because you're a trainer and you've trained so many different people in so many different subjects and you take such a holistic approach, the question is, how do you envision the education system in creative society that's number one. And number two is what would you introduce? Yeah. So if we go back to our traditional education system that we see from uh, both the secondary level and all the way up to your typical graduate level. And this is a system that was developed in the early 19th century because they needed uh, to teach a lot of people uh, to just a fundamentalist uh, stuff but they never ever got to to mastery and and i think what i envision is to bring back a, a sense of mastery 
And in the old, old days, we had the master apprentices in, in different trades and skills and everything like that, where the master would make sure that the apprentice reached uh, a certain level as they, they moved up. So they had a master each level. This was a way, uh, the same way in martial arts prior to like the, I would say, the mid or, or the three quarters of the 20th century on forward because they were, they had uh, students mastered, including in the martial arts. And later, um, as the Japanese came in and they started teaching their children, they simplified it. They teach, they, they taught it in math. To this day, it's even gotten worse where you have math classes and nobody really ever masters something. So we need to have uh, people who have high level skills to come into the creative society to, to teach a smaller group. And I think the max is like six that you can teach in order to, to develop the, the kind of skill sets that's going to, be needed to help people to be able to move to through different levels. So I think we need to embrace that, get back to, to mastery and excellence and, and especially in developing uh, creativity. I think we need to even going back to, to that aspect that our educational system, traditional educational system, as we know it has eliminated creativity. It, it, we just don't see it as a as a as a society as we progress creativity drops and there was a an experiment known as the uh spaghetti marshmallow uh challenge and in it in in that challenge they asked uh they had like different groups they had like ceos they had engineers they had recent graduates of a of business school and other graduates and everything like that. And they, they, they challenged each group to build, to take um, the spaghetti. They had 20 pieces of dry spaghetti, a marshmallow tape, and, uh, a foot long, uh, no, one yard or one meter long of tape and one meter long of string and to build the highest possible tower that they can. Mm-hmm. And it turned out, so the average um, height was about 20 inches that they built. The smallest tower was the recent graduates of business school. These were MBAs. People had their MBA. They, it was, they had built an average tower of 10 inches because they got stuck in, in, in the structure of our traditional education system. The ones that built time and again, the tallest tower were recent graduates of kindergarten. You're talking about five and six year olds. They were building towers an average of 28 inches tall. Mm-hmm. It, because they weren't stuck in, 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 in that mindset. So I think we need to have a shift, learn from them, learn from them. And wow. yeah. So amazing. Yeah. So we, we need, in essence, going back to, to, to the, to the basics when we start teaching even kids, but don't, uh, don't tear apart the, the creativity. Don't get them stuck in a structure where they have to think a certain way, allow them to expand. Because when you when we allow them to expand in terms of education, yes, strive for mastery, but allow them to to really grow from that. And if they have to go outside and, and find other resources, uh, do that. And, and 
and also the instructor should not. It sounds great. Yeah. So well, it's like you know, uh, creative education in creative society. <laughs> correct. Correct. I really uh, like it. So. The, the reason those five and six year olds, they didn't fear failure. They prototyped, they built something. If it didn't work yeah. the first time, they prototyped, they prototyped, they prototyped till they got it tall. And the MBA graduates, they plan, they plan, they plan, they plan, they plan till they finally at the end where they thought they had a perfect plan. They built it and they only was able to get 10 inches because everything else fell apart. Hmm. Oh, but they were stuck in the, in the educational dogma of thinking one way. And, kind of and it doesn't work in real life if if we allow ourselves to expand and 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 have uh, that more of the creative mindset. And by the way, my my business partner, Dr. Sophie Nabani, she actually wrote a book called "Optimize Your Creative Mindset." So, in terms of that, it's a good point. It's really a good point. Uh, Bob, what about unity? Uh, you have such a great experience in. Uh, relations, communications, and uh, just uh, all these interactions with so many different people. And could you please tell your opinion what unites all people, uh, what unites everyone regardless religion, race, skin color, status, and so on? What is it? Yeah, I think what really unites everybody is that all of us really want uh, happiness that i think uh and i i think that's really really important and and i noticed in a video that, that we watched earlier respect is is part of that but people really want to find happiness and they need to find out you know what that is and and as human beings finding happiness is not doing it alone we need to be able to reach across every single culture and and really learn to understand so happiness is part of that and we want to be understood every single person wants to be understood and the only way we're going to be able to understood is to learn to understand others and yeah yeah and and same thing with um, compassion in order for us to have compassion for others we need to have compassion for ourselves as well and that was a lesson that i learned a long time ago, once I had compassion for myself, I was able to have compassion for my father in terms of what he did to that younger version of me and being able to get past that. And so I was able to forgive him, then have compassion for him uh, prior to him passing in, in 1983. And yeah, so yeah, I, so I look back on it, including when I was bullied when, as a child. I have compassion for all those because there's a reason why they got to where they got to. So I, I think that as human beings, we need to be able to have both self-compassion. And from there, we have compassion for others. But yeah, so I think us all coming together and uniting, we need to have all those factors. Yeah, great answer. Absolutely. Because um, just to say one small thing, when we really understand people and come from a mode of respecting them, because you did say that you noticed it in the earlier video, and that respect is intertwined or connected to valuing people, 
So when we have that as the benchmark, is what you're saying as well, like valuing and respecting them, then it's easier to unite with people because it just requires an understanding of, of whether it be a different race or a religion or status. And I know that you're, I know you being a Jeet Kune Do instructor and you also, you know, being a big fan of Bruce Lee, um, that, you know, your approach of having no way as way. So that is easier when we understand people um, and by getting to know them from a more curious and respectful um, uh, kind of um, mode rather than, you know, what is this? Uh, so being a, coming from a more respectful mode, then we can unite more. Is That's pretty much what you're saying. Yes. Uh, excellent. Excellent. Great, great answer. Thank you. <laughs> um, so after talking to millions of people all over the world, the stages and foundations of building the Creative Society was formed and described in an article which you can read on alatraunites.com. So our viewers can check this out. And we can ask now the technical team to show the video. So these are the eight foundations coming up and that's the article. Um, so Dr. Bob, um, well, Dr. Cho, can you share, uh, after, as we read it, sorry. Um, so, Dr. Cho, um, what's your opinion on the foundations? Do you, you know, you rate them? Um, what do you think of them? Yeah, uh, I actually enjoyed going through each one of them. And, uh, and, and there were several that actually stood out. One of them was, was human safety. And we know that through research that it, let, let's go into an educational system. We know that when when children feel safe in an ed educational institution, they learn much better. They, they, they have joy. They don't, they're, they're not in, in a fight or flight uh, uh, way of thinking, which we know that under stress, under duress, when your, your mind is engaged in that, your higher level thinking goes away. You, you, in fact, in, in terms of neuroscience perspective, you, almost have so under that fight or flight your your brain's prefrontal cortex is is not even engaged it's kind of like having a frontal lob lobotomy eliminating that part so when we're when we feel safe when all people feel safe we could become not only higher level thinkers but also higher level creative thinkers and when we can become higher level creative thinkers, we can start now to engage how we can make a difference. How can we create solutions, uh, even through challenges and, and problems and everything, we can now open up and, and look at those. You know, I, I can see, you know, like, I, like this um, problem I hear. And as I learn new different ways, 
For example, I mentioned systems thinking. So I can bring in that, that perspective and look at the systems as a whole, seeing where the problem in a system, where it's at, and maybe work with other people to fix those problems. And so now the system can flow in a, in a much better way. But we need to be able to have children. We need to have people have that sense of safety instead of getting into this whole fight, flight, freeze kind of thing. Mm. Yeah. yeah and, and again, there's, there's so many uh, things I could talk about in terms of each one of those. And, 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 and I'll, I like the way it was structured. So. Yeah, thank you. I mean, the foundations were formed from asking people all around the world. And because we kept, so that fundamental, uh, like the fundamental question of what type of world you would like to live in, all the responses we got, we just started to see patterns and then that's how they were formed. So it seems to resonate with so many people around the world. So yeah, thanks for sharing your input. Um, Eleanor, would you like to ask Dr. Bob Cho another question? Yeah, yeah, I have one. So um, please, could you tell us, um, what can every person do in order to make himself better, a better person, and uh, make this world, this society better? So what could be the first actions, maybe decisions taken? What could you recommend? Yeah, so I stated earlier, know thyself. That, that, that is always going to be the foundation. And the second thing... I'm going to suggest is to start to think critically because when we make decisions, most people will just throw out a gut decision or an emotional based decision and not have a critical analysis on, on, on that decision. And when you don't have a critical analysis, that's where mistakes get made. And, and I'm not saying like, always have that because a lot of times we had to make decisions really fast de depending on, on the circumstance but but when we're, we're now when we get into a creative mode we go out and and we create something including making changes in ourselves. we so we test it out in a real world and then once we test it then we we get feedback from that then we develop a critical analysis on that feedback. So in terms of uh, personal development, this is true personal development or, or self-development. Unlike a lot of the, the surface level stuff that we hear in the personal development world, uh, some are good, some are bad, but we need to have that. We need to continue work on ourselves in terms of that way in, in whatever we're doing, whatever we want to master, we want to master ourselves. We need to continue doing this so we can start to evolve at a higher level. Otherwise, we're going to get into a devolvement. We start, start dropping down. So that's, that's, that's my take on it. Thank you. I really, like, I really like that you said creative mode. So we need just to switch to creative mode, and that's mm -hmm. it. Yes. Yeah. We've already mentioned that the informational stage is the first stage of building the creative society. Mm -hmm. So Dr. Choate, my next question is, what do you think is the best way to inform people, to let them know about the creative society project? What are your suggestions or, or what would you suggest? 
Yes, I think, uh, uh, especially like like in today's world, because we're so filled with information, and we do have to. Because I mentioned the emotional part and people doing a critical analysis, yet people are going to be pulled in with emotions. That's what it, what's what's going to get them to t- take actions. So I think what needs to be done, the information part, needs to be addressed in a way that will uh, uh, have a person feel on an emotional basis and then deliver content and everything like that on that. Pull them in because that's where they get like the, the buy-in part. So pull them in and then from there, deliver information that's going to have them thinking higher based on the on the uh on the uh, foundations that they have established i think that's uh very key and find out where each one like will resonate more because some people will have like one one of the points that's going to resonate with him or her more than than others start right there then expand out from there i think that that's important but you have to grab them emotionally first that's 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 really really key Interesting. Thank yeah, you so, so much. And uh, let's remind our viewers that um, in our conversations, we use the principle of six handshakes in order to reach people and talk to each other about creative society. And um, what's unique that it's run by volunteers and uh, just people started finally to talk to people. And it's really inspiring. So, Dr. Cho, please, uh, who would you like to nominate next for our conversation? Uh, with whom would you like to talk and maybe to be host or co-host uh, to talk about society of tomorrow that we can build together? Well, I did mention Dr. Sophie Nabani, but I believe that she was already um, already addressed that from that uh, so I'm going to uh, mention, in terms of a health expert, if you don't mind, I want to bring in um, Dr. Lori Shemek. It's open to everyone, yeah. Yeah, so, so, so Dr. Lori Shemek. And I'll, mm. yeah, so uh, she's a health expert out of Texas. And like me, she has her PhD in psychology, but she's uh, very uh, well-grounded in terms of uh, her area of nutrition and She's very well, well known in that area, so I think she would be a perfect fit. She has a huge following as well. Hmm. Okay, brilliant. So we can just catch up on that, um, yeah. and yeah, you can refer her to to us. So, um, oh, Elena. Um, I just wanted to thank to say thank you, uh, our guest, uh, Dr. Bob Chaud, that uh, you. I accepted our invitation. It was absolute pleasure to talk to you and to have this um, um, one more opinion about uh, the society we live today and what can we build together tomorrow. And I want uh, to uh, tell our viewers that everyone that uh, joins the project, they are people of different areas that they are people who are doing this and they are free from work time. They are volunteers from different countries. 
So uh, if you are interested, you also can join. Just go to Alatra Night website and press the button join. And you can be a guest or you can be a host or co-host and also be part of this beautiful process where people are doing their best in order to create happy society where we all live in a good um, and the welcome conditions. So please join us and uh, maybe you have any ideas, also send an email and find us in the social media. It's, uh, I can tell from myself that it's really a great opportunity just to feel how much uh, people in the world share the same views and they really want to live in a happy society. Hmm. Thank you, Dr. Bob Chope, for your time today. It was amazing, um, just uh, your wisdom and knowledge and experience. I'd like to thank all the viewers for watching. Of course, my co-host, Elena, thanks to the viewers. Um, so we'll have to see you all next time. We can build a world that humanity deserves, but we can only do it all together, united by one goal. Yeah, and everyone matters. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Thank you.